I'm Jane Perone. Are you ready to be tested? Get your little grey cells firing because it's quiz time. Hello and welcome to On The Ledge podcast. It's the final episode of 2020. So I thought we'd have some fun. And coming up, a clutch of questions to test your planty knowledge and to see whether you've been paying attention to On The Ledge. Plus, we hear from listener Alana in Meet The Listener and I answer a question about an ALO. In just six days, I'll put out my special bonus episode, which uh, is not anything to do with houseplants, but just a bit of fun for the festive season. I hope you enjoy it and would love to know what you think, but you've got to wait uh, just under a week for that. So keep an eye on your feed. Then there's a break of two weeks, no episodes January the 1st or the 8th, back on January the 15th. Do remember that the Facebook group is there to get you through the off-season on On The Ledge. You can post your plant questions, your hits and misses of 2020 and anything else plant-related on that Facebook group, which is solely populated by On The Ledge listeners. And it's a wonderful community to be a part of, especially when On The Ledge is off the air. I discovered the other day, incidentally, that there is an On The Ledge podcast lounge on reddit <laughs> who knew i've put a link to it in the show notes uh, it's it's completely empty right now but if anyone's on reddit and wants to chat with other on the ledge listeners then do go and join that page and get chatting Thank you to Amanda for sending me a gorgeous picture of her greenhouse cabinets in response to episode 166. And thanks also to Jeff for his wonderful email about the peanut cactus. He heard me mention the peanut cactus back in my episode with Bob Potter on euphorbias. And he explained that this plant is a bit of a mystery because it's never been found in the wild. I'll put a link in the show notes to more details on the interesting history of Echinopsis chamaceri or as it was called when I was a kid, Chamaceris sylvestrii. It's a really interesting one. And surprisingly, it's not the only plant where its native origins are somewhat mysterious. The same was true of the burrow's tail, Sedum morganianum, until fairly recently when this plant was discovered in the wild. So maybe one day we will find the peanut cactus in its native habitat. But the fact is, I still don't have one in my collection. I'm wondering if I can grow some from seed, actually. I'll have to check that out. But with that in mind, remind you that the On The Ledge Sew Along is on the way. So do get ordering your seeds over the festive break. I've already got some two lots actually coming to me. And I'll probably be ordering a few more. Plus, lovely listener Lauren sent me some Hoya Serpens seed, for which thank you, Lauren. And I shall be sowing those very soon. And also a little tip for you from Mackenzie, who got in touch about buying distilled water. Mackenzie writes, I wanted to suggest a more sustainable way for people to water sensitive plants without buying jugs of distilled water if they don't have access to rainwater. You mentioned you can refill gallon jugs at some aquarium shops with reverse osmosis water. But in the States, it's also really common for almost all grocery stores to have reverse osmosis water refill stations too. You can buy a five gallon jug for about $15. You can then refill that same jug for about $1.50 for all eternity. 
So there you go. That's a re I had no idea about that. Uh, that is a top tip. And if you have a supermarket near you that does that, then get yourself a jug because if you can't get rainwater, then reverse osmosis more water is a good second. In personal news, my son's Christmas present has been set up, which is a tank with a few guppies in it. And we're all totally obsessed. You may have seen them on my Instagram stories. He's got five guppies. There are three metallic blue ones who are called Blue, Blue and Blue. That's B-L-E-W, B-L-U and B-L-U-E. <laughs> Yes, my son does have a fantastic sense of humour. And also two others, who, which are cobra guppies, and they are called Dr. Gups and Bait. <laughs> I told you, he's got a great sense of humour. And they're doing absolutely great. And I'm looking forward to the first water change on Saturday because I'm going to be harvesting that water to give to my plants. So that's the latest addition to the On The Ledge Towers menagerie, which now consists of Wolfie the dog, Clementine the snake, and five tropical fish. Thank you to Elizabeth for becoming a legend. So she's unlocked extra content, including two episodes of An Extra Leaf a Month. And the latest one just to come out is a tour of my new office plant shelves, which is a, a great ramble through some of my houseplant collection. Pen and paper to the ready or pencil, I don't really mind, because it's time for the On The Ledge festive quiz. Well, it's not really very festive, actually. It's just happening at a festive time. So it's a quiz about On The Ledge, about houseplants. You get the idea. Here's how it's going to work. There's no prizes. This isn't Wheel of Fortune, I'm afraid. But what you will get is the great satisfaction of knowing that you are a knowledgeable planty person. So write down your answers. Most of them are multiple choice. There are a few questions where you can freestyle. And I will put out a supplement the day after this episode goes out with the answers. And at that point, you can check your results and tot up your score. The questions vary from the easy to the super difficult, so everyone should have a chance of getting something right. Are you ready? Let's go. Question one. You've heard of CAM in Meet the Listener, but what does CAM stand for? Is it A, Crashulation Arid Mechanism? B, Californian Arid Metabolism? Or C, crashulation acid metabolism. Question two. Anders Roiberg, aka the Arctic Gardener, who was featured in episode 118, is not only a plant expert, he is also a professional what? A, dancer, B, sexologist, or C, interior designer. And here's question three. According to lithops expert Brian Fern of Abbey Brook Nursery, featured in episode 115, what is the number one pest of lithops? Is it A, baboons, B, slugs, or C, rabbits? Are you ready? Here's question four. Which of the following species has the rare honour of being both a houseplant 
and an edible. A. Zamiococcus zamifolia, B. Diefenbachia, or C. Oxalis triangularis. Question 5. Tyler Thrasher, interviewed in episode 145, is writing a work of fiction about which of these topics? A. A botanist. B. Donald Trump. Or C. Dungeons and Dragons. Question 6. I'm currently crowdfunding a book about houseplants, but what is it called? Is it called A. Secrets of the Stem? B. Legends of the Leaf? Or C. Folklore of the Flowers? And now, question 7. What's the technique for propagating peperomias that expert Sally Williams shared with me in episode 110? A. The jiffy bag technique, B. The kettle technique, or C. The hummus pot technique? Question 8. Most of the species in the genus Calathea have been moved to a new genus. What is the name of that new genus? No suggestions here. I will give you a clue that it starts with a G and you get one point for getting it phonetically right and another point for spelling it correctly. Are you ready? Here's question nine. When I was starting on the ledge, I came up with lots of different possible names for the show. But which of the following was my husband's suggestion, which he's still annoyed that I didn't use? A. Sage against the washing machine. B. Don't get your planties in a twist. Or C. Jane Perone is a plant addict and needs to be stopped. Question 10. What do Crassula ovata... Pachyra aquatica and Pilea peperomioides all have in common. This one's not a multiple choice, so just write down your answer. Question 11. The cactus known as Opuntia or bunny ears has very irritating but tiny spines which can stick in your skin. What's their official name? Is it A. Peltates? B. Areoles or C. Glockids And finally, question 12. On the ledge mascot, Wolfie is what kind of dog? No multiple choice on this one. And there are in fact two correct answers. And you get a point for each. That rounds up the quiz. As I said, the answers will be going up on Saturday December 19th, 2020, and at that point I'll add the answers to the show notes so you can tot up your score. I'd love to hear whether you found the questions too hard, too easy, or just right, and what your score was. And now it's time to hear from our listener this week, and her name is Alana. My name is Alana and I live in Colorado Springs in the southwest of the United States. I have a horticultural certification from vocational school and I'm currently in college where I have a minor in sustainability right now. I have around 60 plants in my collection. Some of them are aeroids. I have 
three coffee trees, a bunch of succulents and cacti, and also one of my favorites is my dwarf banana tree. Question one. You've been selected to travel to Mars as part of the first human colony on the Red Planet. There's only room for one houseplant from your collection on board. Which plant do you choose? If I had to save one of my plants for my collection, I would probably take my biggest coffee tree. It takes about three to five years for them to begin to fruit, and I want to keep progressing towards growing my own coffee and see if it turns out any good. Question two. What is your favorite episode of On the Ledge? My favorite episode is episode 98 on the science of plant propagation with Leslie Halleck. I've recently got into propagating my own plants, and my husband's gotten used to finding jars with little bits of plants sticking out in all of the windowsills. And it's just so cool how you can buy one plant and you can have as many as you want from it. Question three. Which Latin name do you say to impress people? My favorite Latin name to say to impress people would have to be Zamiococcus zamifolia, or as we know it, the ZZ plant. It's just so fun how it rolls off the tongue. Question four. Crassulation, acid metabolism, or gutation? Between cam and gutation, I think I'd like gutation a little bit better. Cam is a really cool adaptation that some plants have done to photosynthesize in a different way, but... I get to see gutation in, in real time with the plants in my collection. I like to watch the, the leaf drops that come out from my aeroids and my banana tree. It's really interesting how they have a sort of a release valve function. Question five. Would you rather spend £200 on a variegated monstera or £200 on 20 interesting cacti? Out of the two, I'd probably pick a variegated monstera for £200 as I already have a pretty big collection and I don't think I'd have room for 20 more cacti. So I'd have to go with the Monstera. I can add one more plant, but we can always add one more plant. Thank you, Elena. Great to hear from you. And if you would like to be featured in the Meet the Listener slot, then please do get in touch. And my assistant Kelly will explain how to take part on the Ledge Podcast at gmail.com. And now it's time for question of the week, which comes from Jenny. And Jenny, I'm sorry it's taken me so very long to get back to you on this question, which was posted a long time ago now to my email address on the ledge podcast at gmail.com. But I, I was reminded of this question by seeing somebody uh, post a picture of their aloe vera on a Facebook group recently, and I couldn't help but laugh. It was very uncharitable of me. But here's what had happened to this person. Their father had got fed up of being spiked by the aloe vera in in their bathroom. And so he had taken his revenge in a rather passive aggressive way by cutting off half of the leaves. So literally all the leaves were cut, halved in size. So that looked horrific. And then his daughter, the owner of the plant, decided to fix the problem by taking off all the damaged leaves. So literally you had a stem left, a tiny poor stem and yes, it was a tragic story. <laughs> it was a tragic story. I felt so sorry for the Alo and for the daughter. 
a bit less sorry for the father who, after all, could have just had a discussion with his daughter about why he didn't want to be spiked by the plant anymore. But anyway, this got me thinking about aloe vera and reminded me of Jenny's question. Jenny's got a large aloe that lives outside on her patio in the summer and in an unheated greenhouse over the winter. Unfortunately, earlier this year, she went to check it out and saw that the frost had caught the plant and the outer leaves had got a reddish tinge, which is a fairly typical reaction of a succulent to extremes of cold. And then Jenny writes, in my haste to wrestle the pot inside before more damage could be done, I knocked the pot over, snapping off the ends of a number of remaining healthy leaves. My magnificent specimen now looks a bit sad. The outer red leaves that got frosted are drying out and are leathery and they're curling up as they dry out, but the centre of the plant looks green and is putting on new growth. I noticed today that a flower spike is forming. Does this mean the plant is trying to reproduce before it expires? Can I cut off the leathery red leaves and the snapped off semi-leaves at the base? Is there anything else I should be doing to help it recover? I have promised the plant that if it recovers, it can come in the house this winter, although my husband looked less than delighted at the thought of sharing his space with another supersized prickly customer. Well, Jenny, I do sympathise. I'm going to put a picture of your alo in the show notes for people to have a look at, because this really is a beautiful specimen. Usually when you see aloe veras, they're often quite small, just a few centimetres tall. But you've got a really big specimen here, which is gorgeous. And my main message would be, Jenny, don't worry too much. Redness that you've seen. Yes, that is a stress response to cold. And the the plant won't die. If your plant was really affected by the frost, what you'd be seeing instead would be the stems turning really mushy and soft as opposed to turning red. And if the plant does get frozen like that, yes, that can be game over. Aloe vera, I don't keep mine out in my unheated greenhouse for that reason, because it is not a plant that can cope with those sub-zero temperatures for long, if at all. But I appreciate when you've got a big specimen like yours, it does give you a bit of an issue about where to put it. What I would say is, you know, you can just keep an eye on the weather and only move it when you're going to get sub-zero for a few days. Depends where you are located as to whether that might run over just a few weeks or longer. And therefore, you might be able to find a temporary home for it indoors, away from your husband's eyeline, hopefully. The plant you've got looks as if it has some pups around the base and that these pups are the ones that have been most seriously affected by the cold. And that's not really surprising because generally the bigger a plant is, the more it's able to cope with cold because it's, well, it's the old surface area to volume ratio thing again. If you've got a very small, thin leaf, then the cold does penetrate more severely. So I think what you could do if you're still concerned about those red shriveled leaves is just take the plant out of its pot and remove any pups that are looking half dead I mean, you could pop them up separately if they're sort of potentially going to survive, but you're just the, then leaving the main plant. You have got a flower stem on there. I'm presuming it's flowered by now because it was quite a long time ago. And you asked whether this was kind of the plant's last hurrah. Good question, because some 
succulents are indeed monocarpic. What does monocarpic mean? Well, it just means that the plant will flower once in its life and then die. Plants that we can include in this category are things like hen and chicks, sempervivums, which really are outdoor plants actually, but are definitely succulents. Plants like the pancake plant, calanco, thersifolia, that's a monocarpic plant. And many, many of the agave family are monocarpic. But the aloe vera is polycarpic, so they can bloom year after year. So you don't have to worry that your plant is on its way out. There was a question in the Facebook group this week from somebody saying, do plants flower as a result of stress? And the answer is quite simply yes. If a plant thinks that conditions are not great, then that may speed on flowering and setting seed so that the plant can ensure a future generation. But in the case of this plant, I think it's probably just flowering because it's time for it to flower. Aloe veras are one of those plants that some people find surprisingly difficult to look after. I certainly wouldn't recommend sticking them in a bathroom unless you've got an incredibly bright and well-lit bathroom with a really big window because they do like maximum light. And in the growing season, they really do like quite a lot of water. If you don't water them, they will go very, very pale and be quite unhappy. But during the winter months, it's the old story for the succulent indoors. They need to be cool and dry. So Jenny, if you've got maybe an unheated room or a room where the heating's on low, where the plant can be at about 15 degrees to 16 degrees Celsius, roughly, then that will suit your aloe very well. Sometimes these plants can do well in unheated porches or balconies as well. They just need to be kept dry and out of frost. If you do have any damaged leaves on your aloe vera, then cutting them is not a good idea. If you've got leaves that are kind of drying out or looking unattractive, you can very gently pull them away at the base. Remember that unlike a lot of succulents, you can't propagate aloe vera from a single leaf. So that's going to have to go on your compost heap if you do remove any damaged leaves. And don't remove too many at any one time. As the person on Facebook uh, was told by many commenters, leaving your plant with that few leaves is not a good plan. And the usual succulent rules apply when it comes to the potting mix. Make sure it's a nice free draining mix, maybe 50% houseplant compost, 50% drainage material, be that grit or perlite, or even some non-clumping cat litter if you so desire. But just make sure you get the non-clumping stuff. Here in the UK, that either means Sunny Cat Pink or Tesco non-clumping cat litter. Aloe vera does like to be outside during the summer. And as I said, watering regularly will really make your plant put on some growth. Aloe vera has become naturalised in many, many parts of the world. I'll put a link in the show notes to a map on the Kew Gardens website, which shows all the places where it's now being introduced and grows in the wild. But according to that page, it is a native of Oman in the Middle East, which I didn't know. And one of the reasons why it's so popular is all of its medicinal uses. It's the fleshy tissue, the parenchyma tissue inside the leaf that has many uses and applications. 
The only way that I use aloe vera in the home is very straightforwardly as a topical application to a burn. Just tear off a leaf and put that sticky gel onto a minor burn. Nothing, obviously, that needs to be seen by a doctor. But any minor burns, you can apply a bit of the aloe vera gel and it's absolutely fine. And do also make sure that your plant is actually an aloe vera. Lots of people mistake other members of the aloe genus for an aloe vera. There are lots of other species in there with the same fleshy pointed leaves. So just be 100% sure that you actually have an aloe vera before you start putting it on your skin. And there's loads of research going on in terms of scientifically confirming the ways that this plant has been traditionally used as a medicine with many different applications. I'll put a link in the show notes to an interesting academic article which has an interesting list of all the ways that aloe vera has been used in a medicinal sense, which includes everything from stabilising blood sugar in diabetics to stimulating cell growth. And in fact, this question has been rather handy because aloe vera is one of the species I'm going to be including in my upcoming book, Legends of the Leaf. So you can expect to read a brilliant account of all of the history and the uses of this plant if you pledge to support my book. And you can do that by visiting my website, janeperone.com. There's a prominent link to click through to my publishing partner Unbound and make your pledge. We're at 58% at the minute. I'd love to reach 100% as soon as possible because I really want to get on and write this book. So please pledge if you can. And if you can't pledge, well, just spread the word to other planty people in your life. If you're one of the people who has pledged for a houseplant consultation, somebody was asking me the other day how this works. Well, as soon as the book is 100% funded, then I will start setting up those consultations. So don't worry if you have booked that consultation level and haven't heard anything yet. I will be in touch once we get to 100%, but it's all the more reason to spread the word so we can reach our target and get our little chat going because I'm really looking forward to speaking to you all. Well, I hope that has proven useful, if a little delayed in terms of advice, Jenny, and I'd love to hear how your aloe vera is getting on. episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had fun with the quiz and you've only got six days to wait for that bonus episode coming out on December the 24th, Christmas Eve. You are all ineffably gorgeous and unimaginably kind. Thank you for listening to On The Ledge this year and I'll be back in 2021. Bye.
music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops. And the tracks Chiefs, Blueprint and Candlelight, all by Jazar. These tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit my show notes at janeperone.com for details.